Episode 81, and we move on from <laughs> Scotland and the lock, and we move to Planet of Evil. Planet of Pain. Technically the first... Technically the first... Planet of Hatred. Uh, script... Technically the first script <laughs> to be uh, commissioned by... Philip Hinchcliffe, so technically this is really the beginning of his era. Uh, the the rest in the previous season were commissioned by uh, then outgoing Barry Letts and Terence Dix. Um, I would say it has teething problems. Ever think about this again? Well, you're going to. What happens in part one, dear? No, are you from the planet of evil? Is this why we're doing okay, this? Okay, so we open up on some people uh, on a planet. That no, seem to I, be got walking around. I got it. I got it. I just, just okay. Uh, we'll get around and do it then. <laughs> Don't bully me. If you're gonna keep complaining, I'll just do it. <laughs> I mean, that's not how the podcast works. Well, I know, but you're not doing what you're meant to be doing, so I'll do it. Oh my god, there's a planet full of trees and weeds and shit, and it looks like War of the Worlds after everybody died and they did all the red plant things. And There's, there's red vines everywhere. Yeah, and there's a spaceship with men inside, and then we, he puts a fucking sign down at a grave, and he looks through his gun telescope uh, for a bit, and another dude is picking up some broken glass while a third dude looks at it. They're, they're gonna be named Beard. Uh, Sean Bean slash Greasy Man and Old. Uh, Beard is doing some stuff with the glass and asks Old Man what's up. And he's like, they need to get back to the ship. But Grease Bean doesn't want to leave. And then something is watching them. And Old Guy hears something outside and goes to check. And some TV static like kills him and poofs away his body for a second. While Beard makes his way back to the ship through the jungle. Gets inside the ship realizes old dude is gone but then the static is here and kills him too and but it's okay he pushed a button before he died so it's fine <laughs> sarah is upset ah the button of course yes sarah is upset because they're not in london and they basically overshot by like 30,000 years but they get an emergency beacon and are like shoot onto this weird planet uh where are they sarah is getting trapped by a whole bunch of weird spaceship and her mind is like She's kind of... What's the word I'm looking for? She's, um... Disassociating, basically. Um, and... She's like, huh, that was weird. And then a prototype PS5 flies into frame, and we see it talking about how this is the last known planet or something. And the ship apparently doesn't have a whole lot of power, and they're rationing power, and they're gonna go down soon. Sarah felt really weird... But they keep going, and they're sending the ship is sending some people down to find the professor that they apparently sent down, and they are ready to shoot to kill. And the Sarah and the doctor stumble across some human bodies and the graves and stuff, and go hmm. And Sarah goes to stay in the TARDIS, and the doctor stumbles on a dead, decayed body of that dude that called them, but he's like really old now looking. He's like dried out. It's weird. The Blue Man Group has landed and found the TARDIS, by the way. And they're just talking about opening it and seeing what's inside while a single man watches from afar. And they go to beam it onto the ship, and Sarah tries to leave the TARDIS because she's inside, of course. And the doors are open. 
Uh, so that sucks. Greasebean has been watching and they're like, oh, it's okay. We've been looking for you. And then they head to the ship and find the doctor messing with stuff. And they're like, you did it. You're captured now. And Sarah's like, fuck, finally opens the door and she's on the spaceship and she's captured now. And then they tell the ship about the doctor and everyone's just confused. Sarah tries to explain, but it's just more confusing. They think she's lying. So they land the ship and plan to torture the both of them. And also we found no other visible aliens on the planet. So you're the only one that could have killed them, right? And Sarah's like, hey, why can't we? You must have done it. Yeah, we're in this jail cell. There's a window. Let's just go through it. And he's like, okay. And then they are escaping. But then the monster thing comes back and it's kind of red and see-through and weird. And uh, yeah, that's the episode part, whatever. Red, see-through and weird and... Poop and pants and shit and farted and <clears throat> the poopy whoopy. So, working title for this was The Planet of Evil. Uh, they changed it. They dropped the because I guess they don't like the. Um, thine. <laughs> thine. Uh, that would actually make more sense if they did call it Thine Planet because this story is. Uh, quite loosely uh, inspired and based on, well, it borrows heavily uh, from uh, the novel The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, as well as being heavily inspired by the 1956 movie Forbidden Planet. Mm. Um, The entire point of this episode, uh, it was meant to more focus on the planet itself, but, like, the the whole thing of, like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was more meant to be about the planet, but then, like, from episode two or three onwards, it's like, actually, it's about a person. And it's like, what? No. Um, It's like, they try and have it both ways. It's like, the first two parts are about the planet, and then the second two parts are like, actually, there's this person, and it's like, it's it's not, it's really annoying, because there's stuff going on. This is an episode that I when I forget about it and, like, I look back on it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember it. It's, like, a really cool episode with, like, the, the planet and, like, the the, the the weird monster. And it's, like, yeah, the, the pit thing. And it's, like, and I forget what happens from the majority of episode two onwards because I don't like it. <laughs> um, it's mm-hmm. very much a... And it's for the reasons that Deer doesn't like it, too, basically. Um, but this episode... So the jungle thing is fucking amazing uh philip hinchcliffe uh approached roger murray leach uh the the designer uh the production designer uh to ask what sort of landscape he could do best in a studio setting and uh murray leach sort of remarked that he could always do a good jungle um despite like just the jungle setting of the serial he built a massively intricate detailed jungle set on an entire like soundstage like it was it was so impressive that the BBC like were even impressed by it and like took photographs of it and used it uh, in a, a tr- BBC training manual of like an a- example of excellent set design because of just the way he made it and the way that like not just it looked good but like it was easy to film things and he like worked well with like everything going on. Um, 
but yes, it's it's a shame that they like everything about this, like even like the cover of the DVD and everything, will show the the planet and the jungle, and then the majority of this episode is actually spent on a dingy silver looking spaceship, which is not interesting in comparison. Um, I mean, I'll give them this. The also, set's great, but like, yeah. it is. I wish the episode was about the set and about what the episode kind of was meant to be about, which was like a kind of perversion on the Gaia theory, if that makes sense, of like, you know, Earth is Mother Earth, like, looking after us, always healing. Mm -hmm. It's like a perversion and corruption of that is like, you know, what if the planet hates you? What if the planet wants you dead? (laughs) Like, that sort of thing. Um, But that's kind of muddied and not entirely there. But also uh, the, ent- the the sort of creature design effect of like the outline single color design uh, that came first, and then they decided to write a story around it. Uh, Philip Hinchcliffe asked for a weird locale, so he got the the jungle. Um, then they decided on a Jekyll and Hyde planet look, and read hyper popular science books about like antimatter and everything to go off of that. Which you know that's that's why this episode is fucking weirdly disjointed. And is just, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not, okay, I have a really interesting idea for a story. It was, I have a really interesting effect. Now give us a really interesting setting and then we'll figure out a story around it. And they didn't figure out a story around it. Yep. Um, but what happens in part two, dear? Uh, well, the see-through dude actually killed a blue guy. Uh, and the other guards come up and go, wait, where did the body go? And run off just before the body just kind of pops back into the area. And I don't really know why they needed to do that, knowing what I know about the rest of the fucking whatever. Um, and Sarah's like, weird. My brain felt all weird again. I was thinking about that one time in my child. Okay. And then <laughs> the captain now thinks that the doctor has killed another person. The doctor and Sarah run around before watching the weird thing walk past them again. Blue crew are still trying to find them, decide to prep something that has a giant fucking eye that flies around and it's an eye robot and whatever. And Greasy Bean says the dude was murdered the same way his crew was, basically like freeze drying them. And the son is also apparent. Their son is apparently dying. And but forget that we found the prisoners. Let's just uh, kill them. And the Doctor and Sarah have found a very deep hole thing where the staticky thing just kind of is. And they notice that they're being watched and they look down and they're like, weird, there's no reflection in this water that might be in here. And then Blue Crew comes up to capture them and one guy just kind of falls in the hole and the Doctor gets angry. And the Doctor is caught and he's like, why did you kill shit? And he's like, I fucking didn't. And then he counters basically saying, please don't mess with this antimatter bullshit from the start of the universe stop and then greasebean wants to know what they mean but then instead they're just taken to a a prison cell sarah offers to just leave and the doctor's like no we really should probably help them and then also he looks in the weird things and they have all the antimatter rocks that they collected and the doctor is like wow idiots you can't just fucking leave with all this shit and they're like lol And then they realize they can't just fucking leave. And a red see-through energy thing attacks them. And of course, the impervious object, they try to shoot it. 
and they scare it off, thankfully. But the doctor's like, can't take those samples, bro. Sorry. And the doctor heads out and the iRobot like follows along over to the pool. And a big red boy comes up out of the pool and he's like, hi, hello. And they play rock, paper, scissors and he loses and the doctor falls in to the pool. And that, yeah. That we all. Yes. All the time. We all fall in in the end. Yes. We all fall down. A whim away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Um, so, uh, God, this episode. Um, there's, there's actually not much really to talk about with this episode because it is kind of an episode where it wasn't a contemporary real story. It was purely just kind of slapped together. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is that uh, there are there are extended universe things where they come back here. I believe there's a book um, where the fifth Doctor comes back to the planet. I haven't read it. Um, to be honest, I, I never really read most of the 90s books. I read a few, and one of them turned me off them all because it's got really weird sections on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, sections of the space door uh, for the geology ship sort of thing were reused props from the Thal ship from Planet of the Daleks. Uh, structural components from the Ark in space and the mutants were used in the ship interior, uh, as well as like some things used on the mutants. Um, like little little prop things here and there to fill out the walls. So it's like kind of a cannibalized set in a way. Um, but also this, this episode was the first to see the fourth Doctor behind the TARDIS console in, it's the first time in a long time that the TARDIS console actually showed up, uh, cause the last time the console had been there was, uh, the third Doctor's death to the Daleks, which was quite a long, long time ago now. Um, it makes its debut here and then, uh, the next episode they show it as well and then they change it again because they didn't do a good job. <laughs> It doesn't Shocking. look the best. It looks very slapped together. Um, the one they do after this actually is kind of interesting. I I like it a lot, um, but it's also another temporary one. It's not until a little bit later when they actually get one that they they keep for basically the rest of the entire show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought they changed also... with every Doctor. No. Well, here's the thing. They sometimes they change slightly with the Doctor. But essentially, it's been the same one each time, just slightly different. Like, the third Doctor's console was, like, green, and there was a little bit there, and then there were also the, the, the one-time episode where they did uh, roundels that were sort of external instead of internal. Um, uh, plus, like, the second Doctor and the first Doctor basically had the same one. Like, the, en- the only real reason that they changed it was because the set was falling apart so they had to build a new one, and then in the 70s, they just couldn't decide on a one, because, like, the, every time they made it, it was like, yeah, this is bad, this is not good, or, like, mm. people don't like this, or, like, it's bad quality, we can't really put it in storage and bring it out again. Yeah. Um, they, I believe there's a one more sort of normal design they do in the 70s, and, like, they keep it for the rest of the 70s, and then the 80s hit, and the 80s is basically a big refresh for Doctor Who. Um, the showrunner came in 1980 and was like, okay, 
this is a new era. We are everything that's basically everything that had been done, we're kind of scrapping most of it, and we are new new writers, new new sort of designs, new production, like we're, we're having a stable, like we get a TARDIS console, design it, and it's going to stay there. It's going to last, <laughs> like make something that's good and will last. And it lasts for the entirety of the 80s era. It's great. And it looks great. I like it. It's really angular and like has like lots of buttons and flashes. It's it's a really good design. Um, But yeah, the, the 70s, when it comes to the, the, the 70s, they kind of didn't really care about the TARDIS itself. Um, especially one episode where they make the TARDIS looks like just a, a industrial plant. It's ridiculous. Uh, we'll get to it. I really don't like that story that much. I mean, didn't um, the seventies literally start with the Doctor not being able to use his TARDIS? So, yes, it kind of makes yes. sense. Which is why, which is why, like they they kind of by the time it got to them using the TARDIS, they were not really sure how to use it or how to make it useful because remember most of the third doctors was set on earth so they didn't really have the resources or could justify putting resources into like designing a really good sturdy tardis set that would last a long time because it's like it only got used in like a few episodes so mm -hmm. it wasn't really worth making something like that whereas the 70s now the late 70s mid to late 70s because we're in 75 or 76 i believe 75 right now um, end of 75 at least um yeah anyway uh from here on out they 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 tend to not go back to earth to do like those types of earthbound stories and when they do go back to earth it's like okay it's a historical type or it's you know futuristic it's very it's kind of rare that they'll go back and do a modern day or you know remember unit dating controversy quote unquote modern day yeah uh story there are a few don't get me wrong but they tend to it, it's like only maybe one per season now um that's anyway. a normal back to dearth monday but anyway what happens in the next part dear um so blue cr the blue man group want to get rid of the minerals and greasebean is like no i need them and sarah at this point sneaks away and tries to find the doctor who is spinning in a void and then the crew makes a joke about removing the crystals and greasebean is doing a plot and he takes a canister and fucks off with it which also, Sarah's at the weird pool and pulls the doctor out, and he's like, the crystals, they saved me, that I had, that I took, and then the ship is ready to take off again. But they see the doctor on the camera and go to try to save him, and also, Greasebeat is starting to have struggles with, like, talking and stuff, and he freaks out, and then all his, his eyes are, like, neon red for a moment, but then it, it stops. And the doctor's back on the ship, and they're, they get him to be alive, so they try to take off again. And apparently the doctor promised something, and is about them taking the antimatter off the ship, and but the, sh and the ship's having trouble, and he's like, whoops, I still have my pop rocks. We have to get it off my ship. And then they do. And then the man carrying the fucking to pop rock, whatever, gets attacked by the professor, and then the doctor mentions there's still antimatter in the ship, and the... the God damn it. The fucking dude that I hate, caveman dude, is like, fuck you, no there's not. And then cut to, to the professor turning into more of an animal and having more freakouts. And then time to find the antimatter with the professor who totally is not crazy, right? And then let's 
check the TARDIS. Maybe that's probably where it is, right? And the doctor says, hey, Professor, please consider you are wrong. And he says no. And then the ship has come to a complete stop at this point, And they leave Sarah with the professor. And they have a, like, fight, basically. And then the antimatter is apparently pulling the ship back towards the planet. And unless they find <gasps> it, they're going to die. Too bad the professor fucking animorphs in front of Sarah. And she feels that weird feeling again. And then the doctor's asked to open the TARDIS, but Sarah's scream, uh, watching someone die, lets him get free, basically. And they find the doctor at the dead body again. And they're like, all right, let's eject him into space. Oh, by the way, uh, Greasebean is drinking, like, blood? All of their blood, maybe? I'm not really sure. And they almost get ejected, like Sarah and the professor, and... Then the jackass dude and the older captain dude start to fight over actually murdering them. And they accidentally hit the switch to send them into space while fighting. And that's it. That's it. It's all over. Mm-hmm. Everyone dies. It's that. I mean, that's just it. So, this episode, the only other real kind of interesting things are basically costume related. Um, This is one of the only stories in which the fourth Doctor removes his scarf for any extended period of time. Uh, He doesn't wear it for the majority of parts three and four, uh, which you think, oh, is there a reason behind it that isn't production related? No, it's production related. Uh, It was a deliberate move to make the filming of the scenes where the Doctor's in the Anti-matter universe, quote unquote, uh, easier to film because his scarf would be flying fucking everywhere mm-hmm. <laughs> if he was in there. So it was like, just take the fucking scarf off. Um, also, this is the last story of him wearing this outfit. From here on out, he changes outfits to a, in my opinion, better looking outfit. Um, although he has a fairly, he has a few really nice outfits that he gets to. Um, you didn't like the there. Scottish version. I do like the Scottish one, but he's only wearing it for like five minutes. He doesn't yeah. wear it for any longer than that. It would have been yeah. great if he did. But it's a pretty iconic costume. Mm-hmm. It's like on the cover of the DVD and everything. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yes. Um, I will say uh, this episode um, there's not, there's not much like expounded on it, but like I know it's true and like there's like small little bits here saying that it's true but not really explaining what that meant but um this episode fucking terrified children (laughs) um (laughs) because it's a story about you know invisible monsters Mm -hmm. and like just an unseeing all-powerful horror um which Paula Pinchcliffe likes to go back to that sort of horror in a sense um and the original script had the ending be very different uh, originally, the script had Sorensen dying after falling into the pit, um, but Philip Hinchcliffe ordered that this be changed because he felt it would be too grim for the quote little ones, because uh, uh, he saw Sorensen as a victim of the planet's influence rather than an evil man himself, which I agree with. But also, it's like the story doesn't really expound on that. Um, so instead, they actually uh, add a scene where Sorensen is released from the pit and is cured of his antimatter contamination. Um, this story is kind of a mess, and 
It's exemplified in the character of Salamar, who is the biggest... He he exemplifies the worst trope that I always hate in, caveman in Doctor Who stories. Politics. Caveman politics. Caveman politics in that in the specific notion of um like the doctor will say something that makes sense or is like, hey, in uh, before you blow up this planet, why don't we actually make sure that like everyone's off the planet or like make sure that like, you know, the bad guys are actually down there, like and there's no one on the ship that we're on, like something like that. And the this the character is like, no, no, I refuse to listen to you. I'm going yeah. to do what I want to do. Fuck you. I'm in. It's like, come on, man, just fucking. I mean, that was I hate that was what caveman like politics and- was, though. It was very much so like, hey, why don't we discuss this? And he's like, no, fuck you. I'm going to do things well, my way. And then arguing for yeah. no fucking reason. Yeah, but I mean, it makes sense with the cavemen because they're cavemen. I don't give a fuck. It's not the point that they're cavemen. That's just what I call it. That's the thing. Yes. The the thing is, like, when I say, like, yeah, but they're cavemen, I mean, that's why it's okay in that episode, Mm. in the first episode, because they are cavemen. They're not diplomatic. Mm. And, like, it's completely fine. They're Mm. They're not really that diplomatic. There are a few that try, but cavemen are not inherently diplomatic so it's like okay mm. fight but it's using that of like okay it's okay for cavemen but these people are meant to be humans in the year 30,000 or like 37,000 I think or something it's like you're not meant to be cavemen like you're not meant to be like this why are you being like this oh because of lazy writing because they needed conflict to happen and they couldn't think of anything else because again this wasn't I have a good idea for a story it was Let's build a story around this special effect that we have and this really cool set that we have. Like, if they had actually thought of a story first, I, the problem of Salomar wouldn't be there. Like, he wouldn't be there at all. <laughs> because, yeah. it, 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 like, I would say 25% of this episode purely exists because, uh, like, the runtime is solely happens because of, like, Salomar not listening to the Doctor and, like, you know, being headstrong and be like, no, the Doctor's the murderer, let's kill the Doctor, let's eject him out of the spaceship, and it's like, if you just listen to him, he's very calmly, like, like, even his own crewmates are like, uh, hey, maybe we should, like, get evidence, he's like, no, the scriptwriter told me to not do that, and it's Mm -hmm. like, why, and it's like, because we need something to happen, and, like, we just need to, we need to fill out the episode, and it's like, you could have had a really good story here. You had, like, some really good elements. Like, the special effect is pretty cool. Like, you could have done something with it. They don't. They kind of do in the end and in the, in the beginning, but it's not really that utilized. Um, You have a really cool set of this jungle, but you don't really use it. Like, you use it in that you film on it, but you don't, you know, take advantage of it, of like, oh, why does it look like this? Like, why is everything's evolved on this planet to kill people or like the planet itself starts like you know absorbing things like you could have used it and have it be part of the messaging like make the planet be a visual metaphor for this Jekyll and Hyde sort of messaging you're wanting to go for with this but they don't because they're not really focused on messaging because remember it was really Terrence dicks that 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 and barry lets who are like a good story is one with a message because that's how you keep a story in the minds of an audience 
you have something entertaining, but also something to keep in their brain of like, hmm, was it right that the character did this? Or like, huh, maybe, you know, Ole is bad. Like, s- s- even basic stuff like that. But Philip Hinchcliffe, he has less of an emphasis on that, and he's more focused on entertainment and, and kind of scaring people um, in a fun way. Which I... It works sometimes when he essentially commissions a script, a script from someone who's like, I have a really good story, and uh, it goes from there, but it also then just doesn't work sometimes when the opposite happens, when it's this sort of case. Um, which is why I, I always find this episode a mixed bag for myself, because I, I think it's incredibly interesting, but a waste of potential. Absolute waste of potential. And Salomar is the embodiment of that to me. The character of Salomar is just represents everything wrong with this writing of the story. Um, but anyway, what happens to the next part, dear? Hmm, last one. So, uh, so because someone was killed, it shows that it wasn't them. So, while everybody's running out, the captain, the the good captain, basically reverses it, and they go check. So Sarah gets the doctor out and mentions that the weird brain thing happened around the professor, and he's like, "Go to the command deck," and she's like, "All right." And then they head back towards the fucking planet because everyone is still bitching at each other. Doctor has found the missing antimatter crystals and knows the professor is up to no good and drinks blood. And he takes out some of the crystals and pours whatever it is on them and makes it brown. Sean Bean is watching, of course, and that one fuck ass is now holding everything hostage for no fucking reason. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, listen, you're going to die. Just give up. And the do- and the professor runs off with the rest of the antimatter. Hostage guy decides to run off. And the professor goes to sit in the injection seat and kill himself. But he decides to not do it because the animal side wakes him up inside and doesn't let it happen. Doctor wanders Can't off. Can't wake up. Uh, and the doctor wanders in to find the antimatter only. Too bad caveman shitty dude gets killed by Grease Bean and the doctor finds thank the God. body. Yeah, thank fucking God. Fuck that guy. Everyone is getting nervous and the doctor rushes to the cold control room with the nuclear thingy and there's a whole bunch of red boys multiplying. There's got to be something to do. And so the because the professor multiplied, everyone is fucked. So the doctor then takes the antimatter and goes to confront him, and they just kind of actually kind of kill him. I thought it was killing him. I think it was stunning, actually. And shove him into the TARDIS, and the doctor takes off. Too bad the doctor locked up Grease Bean in, in an easily bendable material, while Sarah and the captain <laughs> sneak around and try to grab some stuff to make a mini force field. And all the static men are here to fuck up Sarah's shit while the doctor and professor fight it out and <clears throat> Bean and Antimatter get put back into the hole. It apparently Mr. Bean. saves everyone and stops the ship at, from being pulled back towards the planet. And the doctor's like, oh, he's flying away from the planet. With the, but where's the doctor? And Sarah's like, oh, no. And he's flying away from the planet with the original Grease Bean. And he's like, where am I? What's happening? TARDIS gets back on Blue Man sh- Group's ship. Sarah's very sad until the doctor shows up. And now it's time for the Sarah, the doctor, to go back to London. And then they hard cut to the fucking TARDIS flying off. And that's it. Whee! Yep. 
That's that's it. It's Planet of Evil. It's pretty evil. I I honestly I was like I remember like putting it in. I was like, man, I'm really excited for this one. And then part one happened. I was like, yeah, this is. I remember this is really fun. And then part two, and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Um, it's such a shame because if it was like if you just somehow were able to cut episode parts two to four out and just somehow make part one its own self-contained thing be like you know what this is a really pretty pretty good episode but it's Mm -hmm. like personally i'm just like (sighs) the only thing that stops this from being like an absolute zero or one in my mind is is the fact that a the set design is amazing b the effect is neat, but it doesn't really save it. Uh, and see, Sarah's pretty good in this one in episode one, and then part two to four, she turns into a crying mess. Uh, but also, you know, her outfit's pretty neat. It's like, <laughs> other than that, it's like this episode is kind of irredeemable. <laughs> yep. Like, you have a cool concept and you fuck it up. Yep. You just intentionally fuck it up too. Not like they 100%. were trying. It's like, why didn't you even try? Yep. For all of the reasons and more above uh, a two. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that one. Like, n- normally when you rate something low, I'm like, nah, I personally, I think it's a little bit higher. Like, I, I'm, I'm more forgiving with some of the things that you might take issue with. Like, oh, there's too much happening. Or even sometimes there's not enough happening, even though most of the time I will agree with you. Like, yeah, there's nothing happening here. Mm-hmm. But... This one, I'm 100% like, yeah, no, this is, this is, it, it, it's kind of, it mainly, it, it's frustrating in, like, I can see, like, in my head, a really good episode based on this, and they, the fact that they not only didn't do that, but they didn't even try, is like, ah, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, but the next episode is a lot more fun. Um, a lot more fun, and I do remember it actually being fun. Uh, okay. Lots of really cool visuals, a lot, uh, a really fun okay. villain, um, right, and right, some. All right, all right, hold on. Some things. Yeah. Uh, give me the words. So, give yeah. me the words. What's up? Okay. Give me the words. Would you like to guess the noun or the proper noun? Noun. Because it's it's noun of proper noun. So I'm I'm gonna toss up. Which one do you want to guess? Noun. You want to guess the noun? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's blank of Mars. Um, okay. Blank of Mars. I'm gonna be honest, I don't think you're gonna guess it, but if you do, that would be amazing. Whales. Out there, but (laughs) no. I'll give you two more guesses, and I can give you a hint if you want. Uh, sure. Uh, okay, it is... Not a living thing. But it is a... I mean, it's a noun, so it is a thing. But it's not living. Is it more than one thing? It is plural, but... um, That doesn't really help you, except the fact that it has an S on the end. Oceans. I wouldn't think about the plural. What'd you say, sorry? Oceans. 
Oceans of Mars. No, but that Back. is close to an episode in the new series called Waters of Mars. Uh-huh. Um, uh, no, okay, final clue, it's a structure. Temples? Super close! Pyramids of Mars. Okay, well... Listen, this this is the second time we've done this. I, I'll get better at it. I'll get good <laughs> one day. We'll figure it out. You you get... I mean, you, you nearly got it in that final one. I well, think you'll I definitely mean, get the one after. It's fucking Mars. What are you going to talk about? There's, like, the face mountain thing. There's water slash ice. And there's aliens. Uh, let me tell you, this one... The Mars isn't the most significant thing in it. <laughs> Mars is kind of incidental to it. And don't anyway. worry, I know, I know you, 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 you don't think it because you've probably forgotten because you blocked it out of your mind. But don't worry, just because it's Mars does not mean there's ice warriors. There's no ice warriors in this one. Yay! Because remember, the ice warriors are from Mars. Yes. But don't worry, there's no ice warriors in this one. <laughs> it's yeah. uh. Think, remember how I said Doctor Who gets into a lot of, uh, kind of mythology and also kind of goes into a little bit of cosmic horror in a way? Yeah. We dip our toes, mm. um, into both. More so the mythology. How, how up to date are you on your Egypto Egyptology, dear? Uh, not a lot. I used to be. Why? I think you. I think if you used to be, that's more than enough because it's not like you need a lot here. Like it's just it's some small things. Um, but uh, also, uh, so next episode, pyramids of Mars. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. But Sarah gets her gun license. Woo! See you next episode. <laughs>